0: Our scripture will come from the book of 1 John this morning, chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. 1 John, chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. For fear has to do with punishment, and whosoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us.
1: Our lesson to- Our lesson today our lesson today. We'll conclude our You Are More series that we've been engaged in for the past few weeks. You know, the goal of this series has been to discover that we are more than the surface characteristics or the surface attributes or the surface qualities that are frequently used to define us. You see on the screen pictured an iceberg, and I've used the iceberg as a metaphor For this series, because according to the United States Geological Survey, up to 90% of an iceberg is below the waterline, meaning that there is more to an iceberg than meets the eye. And the same can be said about people. When it comes to people, there is more than meets the eye. And it's been my contention that the interactions that Jesus had with people in the Gospels displays the truth of that statement, that there is more than meets the eye when it comes to people. But this morning, we're not going to look at an interaction that someone had with Jesus. Instead, we're going to spend our time focused on a teaching presented by Jesus, in particular, one of his most famous parables. Because in this parable, we discover that you are more than an afterthought. Now, what is an afterthought? In the simplest of terms, an afterthought is something not thought of originally. In other words, it's a later addition that was not initially part of the plan. And sometimes an afterthought is a beneficial revelation that went previously undiscovered. You can take our elevator, for example. We added an elevator out there just over last year sometime. And when we originally constructed this building, that elevator was not part of the plan. It was an afterthought, a later addition. It was something we discovered due to situations would be beneficial, would be helpful, would be useful, so we added an elevator. But sometimes an afterthought is negative in the sense that it makes one feel unimportant. This is particularly true when it comes to relationships. Because when someone invites you to something as an afterthought, or when someone gives you a gift as an afterthought, or someone thanks you as an afterthought, or someone sends you a Christmas card in May as an afterthought, (laughs) it makes you feel like you don't really matter to them. That's the sense in which we want to explore this concept of an afterthought. And I want us to understand today that in the eyes of God, every one of us is more than an afterthought. And the reason I know this is because of the parable of the prodigal son. This parable, it appears in Luke chapter 15, beginning in the 11th verse and running through the end of the chapter. And if you will, go ahead and turn there because we're going to spend the majority of our time in this chapter today. So I invite you to turn there now. And and the first thing you need to understand about this parable is you have three major characters in it. You have a father. You have an older son and you have a younger son. In fact, that's the very first verse of the parable outlines that for us there. In verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. In that one sentence, you get the three major characters. We're going to start by spending our time on the younger son, just as the parable does. Because the younger son, as you read the text, you find out he deserved to be an afterthought to the father, because he sinned against the father. So let's pick up the reading there, Luke chapter 15. Let's start in verse 12, and let's read for a moment. And the younger of them, the younger of the sons, said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. So the younger son asked his father to give him his part of the inheritance. Since he was the younger of the two brothers, he was entitled to one third of his father's estate, according to Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17. And he wants to collect it now. He doesn't want to wait until his father has passed away. According to the Mishnah, and the Mishnah is the written collection of the Jewish oral tradition, so it was esteemed rabbinical teachings on. Scripture, according to the Mishnah, the younger son's request was completely legal. This was not something that was against the law to request your inheritance ahead of time. Now, the Mishnah also considered it to be unwise. It wasn't something recommended, but it wasn't illegal. More importantly, though, this son's request was offensive. It was an offensive request because of its timing. As one commentator pointed out, usually such a division of the inheritance took place upon the death of the father. So in making this request, the younger son is essentially saying two things. First, he's saying that he no longer wants to be a part of the family. And second, he's saying he wished his father were dead. And ultimately, the younger son sinned against the father here by failing to honor him as God had instructed in the fifth commandment. Now pay attention to what the younger son does after he receives his inheritance. That picks up our reading in the second half of verse 13, where we find out, And there, in the far country, he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. You know, at this point in the parable, I imagine that many of Jesus' listeners would have loved for him to wrap the parable up and put a big boat on it and call it quits because it would have been a fantastic teaching, a powerful parable, illustrating the importance of obeying the fifth commandment which instructs us to honor our father and our mother. Or it would have even been a powerful parable on the value of contentment, similar to the parable of the rich fool that's recorded just a few chapters earlier in Luke chapter 12 a parable that teaches us to guard against all covetousness. That would have been a great application of this story with with this youngest son requesting his inheritance early, blowing it on reckless living, and then finding himself reaping the consequences. But that's not the approach that Jesus takes here. Jesus has a different message in mind. Because as Jesus expounds on this parable, he shows us that the younger son was more than an afterthought because the father loved him. He deserved to to be an afterthought because he sinned against the father. But he was more than an afterthought because the father loved him. Pick up the reading in verse 17. and We'll go through verse 24. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, The younger son came to the realization that he would be better off returning to his father as an employed servant than eking out survival in this foreign land as an estranged son. And so the younger son returns home, confesses his sin, and acknowledges that he deserves to be an afterthought from this point forward. But the father has never treated him as an afterthought, and he's not going to start now. I want you to notice all the ways the father demonstrates his unconditional love for the younger son. First, the father demonstrates his love for the younger son by allowing him to leave. You know, when that younger son asked for his share of the inheritance and left the house, the father could have disciplined him. As one commentator pointed out, the younger son's decision would be a serious act of rebellion for which the father could have beaten him, or even worse, had him executed, according to Exodus chapter 21, verse 17, and Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18 through 21. A more typical response would have been simply to disinherit him. But the the father chose not to do that. In fact, if you look at the parable, the father didn't refuse his son's request in order to make him stay. He didn't chase after his son and beg him to reconsider. The father didn't even try to guilt trip his son into changing his mind. The father let his son leave. The father let his son make his own decision. The father loved him enough Let him walk. Doesn't that seem counterintuitive? Doesn't that seem like that's not the way this is supposed to go? But in allowing his son to leave, rather than disciplining him, showed how much he loved him. We'll circle back to that thought in a moment. But also notice that the father showed his love For the younger son by welcoming him home. Did you notice? Did you notice at what point the father saw his son? The text tells us that he was still a long way off. He wasn't close to the house yet, he was still a long way off. Interestingly, it's the same term used to define the far country. The same Greek term that that is translated far country is used here to refer to a long way off. He's still at a distance. How did the father spot the young son before he made it to the house? I believe it's because the father was always on the lookout for the one who was missing. Just like the shepherd in the parable of the lost sheep at the start of chapter 15, and the woman in the the parable of the lost coin, this father was always on the lookout looking for what had been lost to him. And this proves that the younger son was not an afterthought, even though he had sinned against the father. Not only that, but notice that the father ran to meet him. The father runs. He doesn't walk. He doesn't stroll. He doesn't take his time. He runs, and running was contrary to the behavioral conventions of an elderly Jewish man in those days. In other words, it was disgraceful for him to run. And the father demonstrates that his son was not an afterthought when he willingly did something that put his own reputation, his own honor at risk, and he ran. The father also demonstrated his love for the younger son by reinstating him. See, the son returned with the intent of becoming the father's servant, but the father had other plans. He sent for the best robe, which either belonged to himself or was reserved for an honored guest. He also sent for a ring, which was likely the family's signet ring, which was used to conduct family business. And then he also sent for shoes, which were a luxury typically unavailable to the impoverished. So this robe, this ring, and these shoes, all of which were fetched by servants, are brought to the son. And they communicated that the younger son never stopped being the father's son and therefore would never be accepted simply as a servant. Once again, the father proved that this lost son was never and would never be an afterthought because his status in the father's eyes never changed. And here's the point. When you look at this younger son and how this father loved him, some of us are just like the younger son. We've chosen of our own free will to leave the father. We've run away from home to a far country. We've engaged in reckless living. We found ourselves destitute and dying spiritually speak. And we've wondered if the Father's forgotten about us. We've wondered if the Father would let us come home. We've wondered if we're just an afterthought to the Father at this point. And the parable of the lost son teaches us that our Heavenly Father has never and will never stop loving us. We will never be an afterthought to Him because like the Father in this parable, He's always watching to see if we'll return from the distant country. And He's always ready, ready to run to us, ready to welcome us, ready to reinstate us as His children because we are more than an afterthought to Him. Maybe that's you today and it's time to come home. Now let's turn our attention to the older son. See, not unlike the younger son, the older son deserved to be an afterthought to the father because he sinned against the father too. Look with me beginning in verse 25 at the part that emphasizes the older son in this story. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. The initial picture we have of the older son is of him in the field assumedly at work this son has been the epitome of obedience at at least at least on the outside by his own admission he has served his father all of his days he has never disobeyed his father he's the son that stayed home He's the son that has gone and done the job day in and day out. From all respects, this guy appears to be the one who's been faithful and obedient his entire life. But again, that's really just an appearance. Because upon hearing of his brother's return and the joyful celebration that ensued, this older brother was angry. All of a sudden, that veneer of obedience cracks. And we see what lies underneath. And what lies under the surface is a sinner just like his brother. And the older brother's sin is no different, absolutely no different than his brother's sin. Because he's going to dishonor his father just like his brother did. You know, the younger son failed to honor his father when he requested his share of the inheritance. And here the older son failed to honor his father when out of a sense of superiority he refused to participate in his father's joy. As one commentator said, publicly refusing to enter into, in the midst of this party makes an intra-family dispute public news, dampening the celebration, and worse yet, shaming the father just as the younger brother had. And because the older brother's actions were an insult to the father's dignity, they could have warranted discipline or being disinherited just like the younger brother. Now, why was this older brother so upset? Why is he so angry that he's sinning against his father as well? Look at verse 29 through 30 of Luke 15. Because the older brother speaks to his father and he says, These many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes and killed, you killed the fattened calf for him. Did you notice the older son's use of personal pronouns? Three eyes, a me and a my, in verse 29 alone. He was preoccupied with himself and his accomplishments and his obedience and his reward. It was all about him. And did you notice he even disassociated himself with his brother because he referred to him not as my brother but as this son of yours Uh, parents you know what he's doing because when your child does something you don't like it's always the other one's child now that's exactly what he's doing here he's mad that his faithfulness has gone unrewarded while his brother's sinfulness is celebrated and what he's doing is calling out his father claiming that he's just an afterthought to him, but the father proves that's not true. Because just like, he, just like with that younger son, the father demonstrates his unconditional love for the older son because the older son was more than an afterthought. He's loved by the father, just like the younger son. And here's how we know that. Luke chapter 15, look at verse 28. There at the end of verse 28, we're told that the the father came out and entreated the older son. Then in verse 31, this is what he says to him. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. See, the father demonstrated his love for the older son by noticing his absence. The father left the party to find the older son. Just as he did with the younger son, this father went to the older son instead of waiting on him to come to him. And once again, the father was on the lookout for the one who was missing. And this proves that the older son was not an afterthought, even though he was technically sinning against the father. And the father demonstrated his love for the older son by entreating him. As I've already mentioned, the father had the right to discipline this older son because in that moment the older son was dishonoring him. He could have gone out there and scolded or rebuked or humiliated his older son, but he chose not to do that. The text says he entreated him. Other translations say he pleaded with him. Even other translations says he begged him. This father is out there trying to convince his son with all of his might to come celebrate, to come rejoice, to come be a part of this wonderful moment. One commentator said that instead of punishing the older son, the father humbles himself, giving up his honor to seek reconciliation with his son. His entire approach toward this son was a demonstration of his love. And you know what? The father also demonstrated his love for the older son by reminding him of his status. Look again at what the father said to the older son. You are always with me, and all that mi- is mine is yours. The father acknowledges the other older son's faithfulness. The father acknowledges his consistent presence in his life, the father acknowledges his obedience in the sense of serving him continually. And the father makes sure the older son knows that the return of the younger son is not going to affect the inheritance situation. He plainly states that everything he owns belongs to the older son, since the younger son has already received his portion of the inheritance. demonstrates his love by making it clear that the older son is appreciated and his status remains unchanged just like the younger son and as you reflect on the older son you need to realize that some of us are just like him we've been obedient we've been faithful we, we haven't walked away we haven't made the reckless decisions that those prodigals have made. We've stayed home. We've done the job day in and day out. And and it can be so easy, so very easy for some of us to think that God cares more about the lost than the saved. Because just like that parable of the lost sheep a few verses before this, God is depicted as this shepherd who leaves the 99 who are safe to go find the one who is lost. And it can make us feel like he cares more about the lost than he does the saved. And some of us can get that attitude that the older brother has here. That mindset of superiority, that mindset of self-righteousness, that mindset of judgmentalism. And it can be very easy for us to wonder if we're just an afterthought to the Father at this point. But the parable of the lost son teaches us that our Heavenly Father has never and will never stop loving us. We will never be an afterthought to Him because like the Father in this parable, He notices our absence. He appreciates our faithfulness and he's not going to withhold the inheritance he promised to us. Because we are not an afterthought. We are far more than an afterthought to him. You know, even though this parable is typically referred to as the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son, a more fitting title may be the parable of the loving father. Because really the parable is all about the father. One author pointed this out. The father is the first party named and the last to speak in the parable. None of the problems posed in the parable can be solved without the father. And the father is the only finished character in the parable. He has done all that he can and all that needs to be done to restore the family. So the parable is is really about the indomitable love of the Father. And what all of us need to understand today is that regardless of which son best represents you, you are more than an afterthought because you have a Father who is nothing less than love. And you know what that means? That means that God cannot love you any less than he does right now, and God cannot love you any more than he does right now. Because as 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16 says, God is love. The father loved the younger son despite his reckless living, despite his decision to leave. And the father loved the older son despite his stubbornness, despite his animosity, despite his feelings of superiority. Because God is So I want you to think about this. Which son are you today? Maybe you're separated from the Father right now because you've gone away from home to a far country. You've engaged in reckless living. Just know you're not an afterthought to Him because He's always waiting, watching, hoping you'll come home. Maybe you're more like the older brother, his eldest son. And you've sinned just like the younger brother. It's just you've done it through self-righteousness or having a judgmental attitude. The Father loves you too. he's still looking for you. You're not an afterthought to him either. So this morning, if you need to return home, if you need to correct yourself, if you need to rejoin the family to celebrate over what? God's one and only Son has done for you. If there's anything that needs to happen in your life so that you can be restored to the Father or so that you can be included in the family, we offer this invitation and we encourage you to come. Come.